Good morning. I'm Scott Deberson, lead pastor here at Victory Life Church. I'm so glad you tuned in today. Grab a coffee, a blankie, untuck your pajamas from your sock, and let's ready ourselves to hear the word of God this morning. Can I pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that what I'm about to say will make impacts and inroads into people's lives. I pray, God, that my words would not just be my words, but they would be your words, that your Holy Spirit would take those words and make them real to people. And may your word as it's proclaimed make inroads into people's lives like never before. So I give you praise and thanks for all that I'm about to say. Guide my lips and my heart and my mind in Christ's name. Amen. Last Sunday, I introduced this series by talking about how I hope life would look like in a post-virus world. I said, I hope we can truly take to heart the command of Christ and really learn to love our neighbor. Friends, when Scripture talks about loving our neighbor, it is not referring to those who are just living next door to us. It means everyone with whom we come in contact with, that is your neighbor. You know, I think of the atrocity that occurred stateside with the senseless killing of George George Floyd at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer. This, friends, is a tragic example of loving your neighbor gone bad. Racism, bigotry, and any form of hatred or animosity toward those who are different than you is a direct result of people not getting this love your neighbor stuff that Jesus talked about. And I hope that life in a post-virus world is a world where people finally get this. One of the sad facts that history teaches us is that Jews have been persecuted by so-called Christians for almost a couple of millennials. All because, according to those people, their ancestors supposedly crucified Christ. See, I can see why sinners hate. Because it's in their DNA, but so-called Christians who have been given a command by God to love, I I just don't get it. In fact, I would go so far as saying, if hate is locked up within you toward any people group, based on race, religion, or creed, then you're not a Christian. Yeah, I said it. You may give mental assent to your faith, But you don't really believe. How could you, in fact? How could someone be a Christian if they choose to hate their brother? I mean, really? Someone needs to say this. Someone needs to address this. Check out what John, 1 John, chapter 3, verse 14 says. It says this. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Heavy duty. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer 
has eternal life abiding in him. I just got to leave that on for a second because that is heavy duty stuff. Friends, it doesn't get any clearer than that. My prayer for life in a post-virus world is a world filled with people learning to really love their neighbor and friends. It starts with you and I. Now, we can't force or make people love each other. But what we can do is to choose to be a difference maker. Will you choose to be one? We can love when hate is rampant. We can love when hate roams the streets. We can teach our kids to love our neighbors, no matter their race, religion, or creed. Friends, it must start somewhere. Let it then start with us. Is it okay if I'm talking this way? Check out what Ephesians chapter 5 says about this. It says, in my paraphrase, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 26, Christ loved the church. He gave himself for her to sanctify her and to cleanse her. Friends, in this post-virus world, let, let that shower begin. I say, bring on the soap, Lord, and wash us. Cleanse us, Lord, and may this be the heart cry of people all over the globe. May we recognize our sinfulness. May we recognize our wanderings. And may we jump back into the shower and allow for the Spirit of grace, for the Spirit of God to cleanse us from that which defiles. And may we not jump out of the shower until the work is done. Now, I feel I need to add something else and go in a little bit of a different direction than I have sensed God taking me before. Because God is moving me in a direction to say some things that absolutely needs to be said and needs to be heard. And I hope you catch this. Just because you disagree with someone, excuse me, that doesn't make you intolerant or a bigot. Just because you disagree with someone, that doesn't make you intolerant or a bigot. Disagreements are a key part of our Christian, of our human experience. We can disagree respectfully. We have a right to our opinion as long as that opinion does not violate Scripture. And even then, you can violate Scripture if you so choose this is all part of the human design, of our freedom to choose. You know, I think of uh, Isaac Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics. Have you heard that before? It says this. A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. <laughs> okay. Now, God did not make us robots, right? 
We're not robots. We have the freedom to choose right or wrong. And with that choice, we will reap that in which we have sown. So I've just taken the liberty of uh, kind of uh, 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 rewording Asimov's uh, three laws. And I just put them into two because, eh, what the heck, eh? So here they are. Check it out. Love your neighbor means we will not injure another human being or through inaction allow a human to come to harm. Love your neighbor means we must obey orders as written in the Bible. And there is no exception to that because <laughs> those orders don't violate the first law. <laughs> Friends, here's what I don't want to see happen. That as you and I stand for biblical truths on morality and justice, and that stance goes against what is commonly accepted in society, what I don't want to see happen is that for the Christian to start to hate, to harbor anger in their hearts against those who even vehemently disagree with their biblical worldview. Because Jesus loved those who did not love back. Jesus never backed down from his stance. He told the truth. He didn't make people believe his teachings. He just taught and those who agreed clung to them. And those who didn't, well, they didn't. I don't want to see a society in a post-virus world that is divided. Now, I recognize and understand that society, more often than not, does not adhere to nor desires to observe the biblical moral ethic. And the result can be a society that is anti-Christian from the Christian worldview. Because they see the Christian worldview as a view that cramps their style. We cannot control how society will react to the gospel, but we can control how we do. Check out what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 32 to 36. It says this, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same. And here it is. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Powerful, powerful stuff. Friends, we are called to love our enemies. We are called to love those who disagree with our biblical worldview. Friends, in this postmodern world, that we're living in, society has been shifting away from any semblance 
of a Christian ethic. And if you choose to believe otherwise, if you choose to follow the biblical standard rather than the world's view of things, if you choose to be the salmon that swims upstream instead of jumping on the popular world view of the day, then you could very well be seen as one who is a heretic to what society deems as right. And in that place, if that happens, Scripture commands us to love anyways. And rather than fight back, as we just read in Luke chapter 6, we are to do good to them. We are to actually bless them and expect Nothing in return. This is how I envision life in a post-virus world. Are you tracking with me? Is this making sense? Is the Holy Spirit taking this and ministering it to you? See, friends, this means that we can stand tall upon our beliefs even in the midst of a world that is spinning counter-Christ-wise. Yeah, that's a new word. Counter Christ wise. We don't hate. We don't throw stones. We don't judge the world because that is not our job. Did you hear that? Our job is not to judge the world. Just read 1 Corinthians 5 and you'll see it clearly. But look at 1 Corinthians 5.13 and see what it says here. 1 Corinthians 5.13 says, God judges those outside, not us. Our role, our task, is to talk to people about Christ and to live out our faith the best we can. The rest, well, that's up to God. It is not our job to convict sinners of their ways. That is the Holy Spirit's role. When someone asks me of my views on hotbed topics that are facing society today, and it often happens. You know what I say? I say, I don't have one. But the Bible that I cling to does. And do you care to hear what the Bible has to say about what you're asking me? I then allow for the Bible itself to do the talking rather than me. You see, I don't shy away from possible tension due to the Word of God being in conflict with their worldview. But I don't stand in judgment upon them either. I love. And if I'm hated upon for standing upon the Bible and the truths of the Bible, well, what can I do? Really, I will continue to stand and I will continue to love. See, and I won't veer from my stance in the face of pressure. I won't allow for the strain to change my position. For my feet are fixed on the rock of the Word of God. But I also won't allow for my heart to harden to those in opposition to me either. I will love my neighbor no matter what my neighbor says or does to me. Will you stand with me? Will you be a person who chooses to stand on the principles and the promises of the Word of God and allow for the Word of God to do the talking? 
Will you love your neighbor when your neighbor, when loving your neighbor becomes tough? You see, back in the day, people accepted Jesus' message because they sensed it was ministered from a standpoint of love. And friends, listen, love, not our love, but Christ's love shining through us will be the answer to a world heading counter Christ-wise. It was that very love that drew this messed up, miserable, lost soul to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. He accepted me for who I was and was kind enough not to leave me that way. Did you hear that? Christ accepted me for who I was, but he was kind enough not to leave me that way. Christ's love began to transform me, literally. It was an inner transformation that began to occur that metamorphosized my life. And nowhere along the journey in that transformation did I feel judgment. Sure, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit of my sinful ways, but that conviction never felt like I was being condemned. Rather, it was more a tug to live my life in accordance to God's words and God's ways. It was an invitation, my friends, to move up, not down. It was like I was cocooned. And in that cocooned state, slowly God's transformation began to reform me. And as I read the Bible, the words on the page became alive to me. And I wanted to be transformed. I wanted to live the way God desired me to live. I wanted to be free from the hold of my old lifestyle. Not because I was being judged into changing or guilt-tripped into changing but because God himself was at work in me. Friends, check out what Philippians chapter 4 says. In verse, uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, it says, for it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. It is God who works in us, my friends. Does this help as you live amongst those who believe and live a contrary lifestyle? Does this give you the tools you need as you move forward out of isolation into a world that is spinning counter-Christ-wise? I love what Rabbi Zacharias once said. He said this, If truth is not undergirded by love, it makes the possessor of that truth obnoxious and the truth repulsive. It's pretty powerful. And then check out what it says in Mark chapter 12, verse 28-31. It says this, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Friends, you can both love God and your contrary neighbor. You can love God and love those who are different than you and believe different than you. You can love God and remain rooted in that love, unmoved from that love, no matter what your neighbor may say or what your neighbor may do. Loving God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength means that we are willing to place our hope in him and upon his truth. And we are willing to stand upon the Bible and its truth come what may. As I begin to bring this to a close, boy, I'm sensing God's presence it's, and it's and it's reaching out into your life and it's reaching out into your world right now. The most telling thing about the cross is the agony of sin and the incredible power of love. Our sin drew Christ to the cross. It was our sin, the sin within man that nailed him there. And it was our sin that he died for. And it was for a renewed hope for man that he was resurrected. Guys, as unwilling to love and unwillingness to love those who don't love you, as I read in Luke chapter 6, is a sin Jesus died for. I think I need to repeat that. An unwillingness to love those who don't love you as I read in Luke chapter 6, to love our enemies, that's a sin that Jesus died for on the cross. And my prayer for life in a post-virus world where people are able is, is where people are able to truly love their neighbor as they love themselves. You know, it says in Psalm chapter 11, verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are, restored, are, are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Yes, the foundations of our Christian faith, of our Christian moral ethic, is being destroyed. What can the righteous do? Well, we can love. <laughs> and we can continue to love God with everything in us. We can love God through choosing to obey him and to do what it says in his word. And we can choose to love our neighbor. Friends, that is what we are called to do. When the foundations are being destroyed, we then must follow God's advice that he gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. It says this, Timothy, in the presence of our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemnly instruct you to, 
Here's what we're instructed to do. When the foundations of our faith are crumbling all around us, this is what the righteous are to do. We're to proclaim the Word of God and stand upon it no matter what. We're to rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it is not. Another translation says we are to be ready in season and out of season. And I would dare say that the times we're living in right now is out of season. And we're to preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as we instruct or as we reprove, rebuke, and exhort and teach people. Verse 3, For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth or no longer endure sound doctrine because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. Verse 4, they will close their ears to the truth or turn away from the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. So here's what we're to do. So be alert to all these things and overcome every form of evil. Carry in your heart the passion of your calling as a church planter and evangelist and fulfill your ministry calling. Another translation says, do the work of an evangelist. Friends, through all of this, no matter what comes our way, we must love anyway and we must learn like we've never learned before to love our neighbors. Friends, we have been called to herald the message of the gospel as Paul proclaimed to Timothy. That we are called to preach the message of the gospel to everyone. It is not our role and is not our job to convict them of their sins. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. It is our role to stand upon the word and preach the word and let them know that there is a God who loves them, that there's a Savior who died for them. Let them know. Friends, that their sins can be forgiven. Just like my sins were forgiven. And just like your sins were forgiven. It is not our role to judge them. It is not our role to condemn them. It is not our role, friends, to try to even convince them. Our role simply is to give them the Word of God and then allow for the Spirit of God and the Spirit of grace to minister to them and draw them to a place of their own repentance. You know, it breaks my heart when I hear of how some Christians are responding and reacting to a world gone mad. It breaks my heart when I hear of how some Christians in response to a world that is going counter Christ-wise, it breaks my heart when I hear how they are bashing people and ridiculing them, casting stones at them. Isn't that what happened in the Bible? 
Isn't that what happened when a group of people caught a woman who was uh, caught in the act of adultery? And they took her to Jesus and with stones and wanted to stone her. And what did Jesus do? He just reached out and he forgave her. And he said, go and sin no more. And friends, that's what we're called to do. Will you do it along with me? Will you stand along with me and trust God for a breakthrough in this society? Our society needs to hear from Christians who are truly in love with them, are truly in love with their God and truly in love with them and that their heart breaks for them. That's who people need to hear from. And I want to be one of those people. And I want you to be one of those people. And I want our church to be one of those churches that proclaim that. Friends, God is moving by His Spirit. He's so desires to, to love this world. Through you, He desires to love this world through you. He desires that you would wrap your arm around your neighbors. Just love them, no matter their race, no matter their religion, or no matter their creed, no matter their lifestyle. That you'd be willing to walk through life with them. Friends, this is life in a post-virus world. God, I pray that you would forgive us. I stand as a representative of your church, and I pray that you would forgive us, God. Forgive me, God, for holding in contempt the world in which you died for, the people in which you came to the earth to die for. Father, forgive us and help us to be people who are willing to wrap our arms around the world and love them with everything in us. And love them enough that we're willing to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And love them enough that if they reject us for it, that we can walk away rejoicing and say to them, we love you anyways. And we want the best for you anyways. And if they stone us like they stoned Stephen, that we could lift up our voices and cry unto you, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, forgive us. Cleanse us. (laughs) And give us your heart for the lost. Forgive us of our selfishness and being so caught up in me, myself, and I that we've forgotten our highest calling to love our neighbor. 
forgive us and cleanse us and wash us white as snow. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. I did not expect that. How do we end this? I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I was going to say, let's go over to Peter, and Peter would talk to us about... But we can't. Because God is moving. God is touching our lives right now. I, I'd say... Let's move in and hear from Pastor Yvette and I. We close out the service, but we can't because God is moving right now. He's moving by His Spirit and He's, He's touching our lives. He's restoring us, restoring in us a love for people to love our neighbors. Friends, it's happening because you've chosen to love God. You've chosen to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And as a result, he's given you a love for your neighbors. He's given you a love for the lost. God's going to give us as church, not just our church, but the church, creative ways that we can reach out to people. God's going to raise up a creativity within us that we've never experienced before. God's going to raise up a creativity within us to reach a world that so desperately needs to be reached. I didn't know I needed to be reached when I was reached. You didn't know you need to be reached when you were reached, but you were reached nonetheless. Because of God's love. So as I close today, maybe you're here, maybe you're listening, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, friends, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's up on the screen. And you know what I want you to do? I just want you to repeat these words after me. Just say this, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. From this day forward, I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that you are now a Christian. And God is going to do such a great work of transformation in your life. Wow. It's going to blow the doors off of what you thought life was all about. Oh, God is so good. Well, hey, I'm just going to close this morning by, by saying thank you for joining with us. Thank you for allowing the spirit of grace to touch your life. Thank you for weeping along with me. Thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and allowing him into your life. 
like never before. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, marking the day the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. And the Holy Spirit is moving in maybe ways that we've never experienced before. And today is an example of that, and He desires to do so much more. Give way to the Holy Spirit in your life. Give in to Him. Allow Him to saturate you with His love and His presence. Well, Pastor Yvette and I love you. And uh, if, if any part of this really spoke to you and touched you, uh, just reach out to us at office at victorylifechurch.ca. Let us know. Um, let us know the decision that you made if you gave your life to Christ. Or let us know if you need prayer in, in any area. Oh, we love you. God bless you. And thanks for tuning in with us today.